They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors. Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast about real faith and real life. And I'm, I'm Joe McGarry. And we are two follically challenged pastors serving in congregations of the New England Synod in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, or as we like to call it, the ELCA. Hi there, Joe. How's it is it going? fantastic, Jeff. How are you doing? You know, it's been I'm one of those okay. weeks. <laughs> it's been one of those years, <laughs> yeah, I, I think. I've realized that even though I love what I'm doing, I love the people that I'm doing this with, and that is being a pastor in, in this church, I think there are times when it really can be tough. Uh, I agree completely. I think it is a great challenge in our time to not only keep focus, but also to stay positive when you see so much negativity going on. Amen to you. that. I totally hear you with that and, and completely agree. So something I thought we could maybe just chat about today is um, just kind of how things are going in churches. I mean, maybe we could share some stories from how it's going in the places we're serving. But I think just in general, I I find a lot of conversations I get involved in is, um, I don't want to necessarily say doom and gloom, but there's not a lot of hope for the future of what congregational ministry looks like. Is that something that you run across yourself? Yeah, we've had a number of difficult conversations here in my congregation. I've heard of our colleagues having the same conversations about what does it mean to be the church and what does it mean to be the church in the current model? And is the current model really sustainable into the future? Because if we're completely honest, we have a number of members in our congregations, but we are also fighting for their time. And if they don't feel as though Sunday morning they want to get up, get ready, get dressed, go to church by a certain time, and go home and, and go on with the rest of their day, then they're, they're not going to be here because they have sporting events, they have family gatherings, they have just a, a day to, to rest and relax and be family because every single other day of the week, they're running from one place to another. Yep, and you compound that with uh, just the reality that uh, most congregations, at least in the ELCA, experience about 2 to 5% decline a year. Yep. So you add that up over time, and you go from kind of a critical mass to uh, you know, a, just a downward slope until you get to a point where it's, it really questions if it's sustainable. Yep. And I look around my own community— and I am one of two, maybe three, full-time pastors in any church in my community. When I look around, there are people maybe in full-time ministry, but they're serving more than just one congregation. And a number are part-time. And I had a conversation this morning with a couple who belong to a neighboring congregation, and we were talking about something non-church related, but We'd started talking about their church a little bit, and they said, you know, we've seen growth in, in our church, but we really can't sustain a full-time pastor. It's just not in the cards right now. And so even churches that seem to be doing well are struggling to have a full-time clergy person, and we as clergy people get a little worried. What is the future status of our job? And that's a hard conversation to have. 
Yeah, and I think even just the whole model, you know, so we are churches that are organized principally around a constitution and have committee structures and have certain expectations of time commitments of its people and how that works and uh, programs that you're going to run because that's what we did, you know, 50 years ago. You know, the world has changed dramatically. We're not a book culture and we're not even just a screen culture anymore. We're an interactive screen culture. You know, the model we're still using is, um, you know, lecture hall. Right. Lecture hall and committees based on the availability of people's free time. Yep. Yep. We're trying to use a model that people are not experiencing in the rest of their lives. So, you know, it might have been a time when you had people home during the day or you had people home from work at four or five o'clock and had evenings free, but that's certainly not the case anymore. Plus you compound extracurricular activities of children or just other groups that also are competing for your time. At least for me, it becomes very questionable about if what we're doing is just not making it worse rather than actually trying to ask the question, how can we be faithful in the world rather than how can we just keep this committee going? Or, you know, okay, if we just try harder at Sunday school, then it's going to work. Well, maybe Sunday school just doesn't work. Uh, You know, maybe it did. And people that, you know, came up through there and are active people in the life of the church today because of it, that's great. But think of all the people that left the church who went to Sunday school that obviously it didn't work for them. So, you know, that we have to think, at least for me, I think we just need to almost do a reboot of just thinking about, all right, if we were going to start the church today, what would we do and why would we, or how would we do it uh, based on, you know, what, what is our witness and how are we trying to, to live faithfully in the world? Yeah. And as much as I think you or I would like to do that, and we have seen some folks like our friend Mark and Sarah Huber, who launched a church and created a, a, an environment and a community that they felt connected to, that they felt would be successful, and it has been successful. When we try to do something like that, we do have people standing in the way saying, well, we have to do Sunday school the way we've always done Sunday school because that's what we do, and we can't change that. Right. Or that's the way I remember Sunday school, so that's what I want for my, my grandkids or my great-grandkids, or whatever it may be. And so we have resistance, even though it might not be everybody. It might be only a few people, but there are people standing in the way of trying to do something that might be a little successful. So we have that balance that we have to nurture and work with when we talk about making any changes. Yeah, and I think the other thing with that is we focus too much on what we think people will like yeah. You know, so for example, like we switched to one service in the summer, right? And we have two during the year. It was our first summer service at one time. Normally during the school year, we have a 830 service and a 1045 service. And so in the summer, we're doing 930. So it was literally 925 the first Sunday we did that this year. And someone complained to me that it was too early. And then someone complained to me that it was too late. And then uh, it was actually a young person said, isn't it great that we can all be together? And what are you supposed to do with that? I mean, is, is the purpose of it fits my schedule right? Or, or you like this time or is it what we're trying to accomplish or why we're gathering in the first place? And I think that gets lost way too often in churches. At least that's been my experience having served in several of them, is that it becomes about what we're either used to or what we like or what our expectations are or what we think might attract people or, you know, how we're marketing it, uh, you know, just all of those things rather than, well, 
what is a Christian community and why is that important? We don't, we don't tend to ask that question too often. We don't. We don't. And, and asking, asking that is critical to what we do and how we do it. And we need that one thing that we go back to every single time to say, this is what our mission is. And we make decisions based to fulfill this mission. So big mega church down in the South, North Point Community Church, Andy Stanley is the pastor there, and he's been there forever since they began, and really great in, in talking about leadership in the church. Their mission statement is simply to be the church for unchurched people. And he said in one podcast that I was listening to, it might not make sense. How do you be a church for unchurched people? If, if a church person comes to church, does that make them unchurched anymore? And he goes on about that. No, it doesn't really make sense. It's not really theological, you know, it's not very deep in, in theological. It's not wordy, and there's no mention of God or Jesus in there or anything like that. He said, you know, you go into that when you talk about vision statements and that sort of thing. But he said, any th- decision that we make, we make based on our mission. So when I talk about the Bible, he says, I talk about it as though everybody in the congregation, there could be five or 600 people there, everybody in the congregation I act as though they know nothing about the Bible because it could be someone's first time in the church. So I want to be able to reach them because we are church for unchurched people. And we make so many assumptions, I think. I know I make so many, I should speak for myself. I make so many assumptions on the people that come to my church service on a Sunday morning. I I assume based on the way our, our service is set up that they've been there before or that they've been to a Lutheran church before that they understand what we are doing. They know when to stand or sit, even though I try to invite people to do that. There's so many assumptions that we make, and we need to go back to saying, okay, what are we doing and why are we doing it? And make our decisions based on that. Yeah, I haven't done this exercise with uh, the current church I'm serving, but I have done it in another church, and I think it's time to uh, to do that here, is to Rather than based on, you know, the way things used to be and how do we get that back, ask a question like, okay, if we were the only church there was, what would you do? No, that's a good question. You know, or, or if, if we were the, if we, if you as a person were the only Christian there was, how would you live differently? Uh, or, or what kinds of activities would you do? And, uh, you know, and then the follow-up question is, so then why aren't we doing that? I think sometimes we don't realize or we don't internalize what the stakes are, you know? It's just so, so often church just becomes one more thing or it's it's one of many things. It becomes a habit or it becomes something that we feel obligated to do instead of being inspired to go. Right. I mean, I know you have people like this in your church just like I do. You know, they come to church, they go home, and you don't really see them many other time. That doesn't mean they're not living faithfully in the world, but it's but you wonder how— connected they are actually you know are they connected to the community right um maybe and maybe they they are and they just don't need some of those other pieces but you know i think about that because i think you know all the church growth stuff and it's it's got its flaws but it's it's rooted in you know if you have a if you have a group of people that's looking to include other groups of people and invites people into that that's a different way of functioning than we need two more people on this committee because we're supposed to have eight right as our audience is listening to this and they're thinking about their own churches. How can we evaluate how our church is doing? So we could say, well, this is how I feel about it, but are there ways that, that we could really take a look at our church and say, hey, we're doing really well, 
and we, we see that this is going well, or maybe we're not doing so well, so I need to figure out how to do a little better. Yeah, I mean, I think finding some kind of tool is helpful. I, you know, we were talking before we started. I started reading this book called The Unstuck Church by Tony Morgan. I listened to him on another podcast, um, and he really dwells in Les McCowan's predictable success stuff, if anybody's familiar with that. But he kind of looks at life stages of churches and just kind of thinks about churches. Well, they'll they'll start from a, a launch perspective. You know, somebody started them at some point, and with that was a lot of a lot of energy. Either it was started by another church, or perhaps a group came together and said, "Let's form a church." And then you have some momentum growth that goes along with that. Yep. Uh, and then if you can get to a point where you need to organize, you have some strategies around what growth looks like. But often what happens is uh, rather than sustain the health that due to continue to, to grow or at least continue to be alive and vibrant, we move quickly into like maintenance mode or preservation mode or steady decline into, uh, you know, so many of our churches now, they just seem like they're on life support, kind of hanging on or living in the past. I think it's it's helpful to kind of look at those and start to be honest about, well, where do you think we are and uh, what are some of the qualities of some of these stages that you can maybe rekindle or rethink about? Because I think so often we just get locked into, especially on the downside of a bell curve of that 2 to 5% decline, well, that's just going to be the way it is until we die. Or you just negate it and say it's not a big deal. We'll be fine. You know, maybe it's a season. We'll ride it out. You know, if we just try harder, we'll do better. I think there are systems that need rebooting. And like you said, you talked about assumptions. Uh, We make a lot of assumptions for good and for worse that we need to reevaluate because maybe our assumptions were once valid, but no longer hold for the community we're trying to reach out to. Yeah. And I think that bell curve is a good way to look at where we may find ourselves on that, that curve. And it's not just a, a bell curve that you're going to be going to the whole thing in one fell swoop. You could be going from strategic growth to sustained health to maintenance, then going back to strategic growth when you try something different. And then maybe you jump all the way to preservation because that didn't go well, but then you can circle back around and go back up to sustained health when you stabilize things a little bit. So it's you're in one spot and you're there for a long time. You can jump from one to another on that curve and dependent upon where you see your congregation going or the decisions that you have made as a leadership team. So I know I have experienced almost every part of those stages. And for me, I remember the strategic growth stage uh, at my former congregation, we saw some growth in our in our church. We saw some people coming in through the doors, and for a while, we didn't really have a plan as as to how we were going to encounter those folks. So, and I'll post this on on the show notes. But we watched this one video called "What If Starbucks Acted Like the Church." I don't know if you have you seen that video before. I'm, I've I've seen that. So you have this couple going in, and they have never been to a church before, and they are just bombarded by people. Either people are ignoring them, or they make a big deal that they came to the Starbucks, and th- then they're filling out these cards, information cards, and they just were so overwhelmed. They they said, "All we want 
is a cup of coffee <laughs> and right. and these people would not listen and they cuz they had their own agenda as far as how they wanted to encounter that so it really launched us into a great conversation okay when people come into our church how do they feel this is their first time coming perhaps and how are we encountering them like yeah you want to capture their information so you can follow up and contact them later on and and connect with them and build a relationship with them but you don't want to see too over I mean, it's kind of a fine line as to how people want to be welcomed. And, and you have those years gone by where you, you were able to show up at their door two hours after the service is over and they're cool with that and they invite you in for a cup of coffee. And, but that doesn't really happen anymore. Either they're not home or they don't want you to come to their home. Right. And so we really had to build a strategy on how to encounter those folks. And, and when we did and when it started working, we were at a sustained health phase for a pretty long time, and it, it really felt good to be there. I know a few of our colleagues have tried kind of like secret worshiper idea, where you get somebody just that you know already as a plant. Yep. Come come in and experience what is happening as a as a new person, and then they can give you a little bit of a report on what they experienced. That could be a really helpful exercise. Because we could say one thing from how we perceive the entirety of the Sunday morning experience from a pastoral perspective, but getting those fresh eyes is, is really, really cool. You talk about being bombarded. I mean, the opposite can happen, too. I mean, I've been part of churches that everybody say, oh, it's so friendly, and every, uh, we love seeing our friends every week, but a new person, no one will talk to them at all. Right. So, right. Um, you know, you got to have, I think, some fresh eyes to kind of help evaluate that aspect of things. So have you experienced any part of that bell curve and and how did you kind of navigate your way through that in some of your calls? I think sometimes it's easy to get lost in the forest for the trees. I think what happens often is just because of the complexity of our role as pastors, there's just so many conversations happening at once and you get kind of bombarded by things. You tend to be putting out fires a lot. And what happens when you're putting out fires all the time is you, you kind of stop seeing the growth that's actually happening or the, the good things that are happening or the relationships that are being fostered and nurtured. I mean, I look at this place on a Sunday. Usually there's lots of people engaged in conversation before and after worship. They're happy to be around each other. It's good to be the church together kind of a thing. There's lots of projects that people are a part of that are both short-term and long-term, that's all really great stuff. And I think of, uh, okay, you know, we've got this building project going on and there's a lot of energy towards that, uh, especially in a time where it feels like the church is in major decline all around us. And I would like to just lift up, we've decided as a group that, you know, it's worth us being here for the long-term and, and we're making an investment in that. Uh, and yet you still hear the voices of negativity. And because so much of our job is putting out fires, those voices can tend to get an inadequate, uh, proportionate response, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. You're spending a lot of time with those few voices rather than seeing the bigger picture. I think it can get very discouraging, actually, in that sense. But um, at the same time, you want to bring people along and you need to find a way to give some space for those voices to be articulated so they know that they're heard, too. Uh, but you got to keep moving forward. I think the main thing that gets lost, I think, is the, and you brought this up earlier, Joe, is the why questions. You know, why are we doing what we're doing? We focus on the particulars. You know, oh, is 930 a better time? Well, maybe. 
but why are we doing it? Or why worship at all? What, what, actually, why do we get together for worship? What's, what's the importance of that? Do we ask that question much? I don't think so. Right. We just think about the schedule or the style or what hymns we pick or whether the pastor's wearing a robe or not. Or, you know, like those, those tend to be the questions people are talking about, not why it's important or why be a church. What, what witness does that provide in a community? Yeah, or even working backwards and say, okay, when someone leaves the church on a Sunday morning, what do we want them to feel? What do we want them to experience when they are here? If we want them to be happy and excited and joyous when they leave, ready to attack the world for the week, you know, on fire for, for God and confident and strong— well, that's really going to determine what hymns we sing. It's really going to determine what kind of message we're preaching. It's really going to determine what kind of fellowship experience do we have. And if we want them to feel deflated and, you know, tired and, well, yeah, that then that's going to change how we do things. And it needs to be intentional when we sit down and we plan worship, say, this is what the end result is going to be. How are we going to get there? How is the service going to be formulated? Because we could do a whole number of different things during the worship service, whatever we choose, but it needs to have some sort of intentionality behind it. Yeah, I was in a long conversation with some of my leaders about, uh, you know, how do we get more, more people on committees? And I was trying to steer the direction in asking the question, well, why do we have committees? What, what job are they trying to accomplish? If we, how, how can we achieve that goal? If it's a committee, great. If it's a, there's another way to do it, that's also great. Um, but it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, I made fun of this earlier, eight people sitting around a table or it's, not, or it's a failure. I think we get hung up on that all the time. We think about butts and bucks, and um, we we put all our energy there. And then when it doesn't meet our expectations of the way things used to be, then you know we get really discouraged as a result. Maybe it's worth regrouping, and that's that's what the church is up to right now. We're just kind of regrouping um, or refocusing on what we need to do. Do we know why we exist in the first place? Yeah, that's that's a critical question that we need to ask. When we have that answer, why do we exist? What detriment would our community have if we were no longer here? Would, would the city of Gardner know if Faith Lutheran Church suddenly went away? Right. And if the answer is no, then we need to talk about that. If the answer is they wouldn't care, then we need to talk about that. Yeah, I was in one church for years. I kept asking that question, and I couldn't get a response. I mean, people couldn't articulate why we're here. And maybe it's not just a why do we exist, but what's our call to action? You know, like what's our, what are we trying to achieve? What what have we been called to do? I mean, I guess there's a variety of ways of articulating that. But I heard a story, and I think we've done enough of these podcasts where we might be telling stories over again. I can't remember if we've said this or not, but a bishop in our church was going to make a visit to one of his congregations, and he decided to have a little experiment before the visit, so he left a little early and went to a nearby gas station and said to the attendant, I'm looking for St. John's Lutheran Church. Do you know where it is? And he intentionally picked a gas station that was close to the church, so there would be a high probability that the person would know the church and 
the tenant's like, I have no idea. I have no idea where that church is. I've never heard of it. So the bishop drives to the church and has a worship service, very nice experience with the, with the church, and met with some of the leadership team afterwards, and he told them this story. And he said that he went to the gas station. The attendant had no idea. This was just very close to the church. He said, you know, you guys need to do something about this. And one of the gentlemen stood up and said, I told you we needed a bigger sign for our church. That was totally not what the bishop was getting at. You don't need a bigger sign to let people know that you're there. You need to be involved in the community. You need to be known for something in the community. So when people think of St. John's Lutheran Church, they think of the church that reaches out to the homeless or the church that has support groups or the church that makes great coffee, whatever it is, figure that out and, and just go with it. Yeah, I think most churches probably, if you would really pry, if you ask them what's the purpose, and they would say it's to stay open. Yeah, yeah. Or or it's to keep busy. And I think when you going back to our bell curve, that is when we start getting on the backside, the maintenance, the preservation, the life support. When when your main goal is to stay open, when your main goal is to keep a full time pastor, when your main goal is to do things the way you've always done them, then you're on that backside leading to life support. And when you get to life support, there's no turning back, really. Unless you're going to do a total relaunch of the church, there's no going back. But when you're engaged in in the community, when you're engaged with your members, building relationships, then you can get to that sustained health. And you can live there for, for a very long time. So at a recent uh, council meeting, I, I gave everybody a slip of paper and I said, number it one, two, three. And then I said, you know, question one is if you were going to tell somebody about this church or describe what it's like in, say, two to five years, what would you say? And I said, don't use any metrics, no numbers, just kind of like, you know, qualities or attributes, adjectives to describe the church. And most people had some pretty good ones, you know, just open or, you know, friendly, faithful, you know, all the serving, all those kinds of adjectives. But there was one that said, worship 125, giving at this level, da 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 Like, you total, totally missed the point. <laughs> <laughs> totally missed the point. Yeah, yeah. But then the other, the other questions I asked, so what are you going to do now to help get there? And then the last question I asked is, what's in the way? That led to a pretty good discussion. Mm. So we're going we're gonna to revisit those again. I, I collected them all and said, all right, let's, let's sit on that and think about it some more and, and come back to it. I think that it's important to kind of keep revisiting, you know, who are we and what are we doing and why? We need that. Yeah. We need to be reminded. Because otherwise, in a, in a totally distracted world in which we live, we just we get pulled in every which direction. I, th- I feel like sometimes, and maybe you feel this way too, I feel like sometimes I'm in a boat with a sail and no rudder. Oh, yeah. That we're just yeah. we're just letting the wind take it wherever it goes and uh, you end up going around in circles and not getting anywhere. You know, you're busy spending time talking about the the sail or the mast and uh, not where it's going. Sometimes the the wind is not there, so you're just sitting in the boat waiting for something to happen and you're not sure. You don't have oars like Tommy boy. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, so I think one of the resources that we want to be for you, the listener, is, you know, if you want to 
kind of figure out where you're at on this bell curve or if you have an idea of the, say hey I'm I feel as though my church is in the maintenance mode and I want I want to grow the church. I want to do something to help my church grow. Let us know. Reach out to us and and maybe we can offer some insight or some advice because like we said earlier it's always good to get a fresh set of eyes, new eyes on a situation and we have been a part of the church for most of our lives and we have a general sense of what needs to happen and maybe we can help and and move your church in a direction that you think would be sustainable and beneficial for your congregation. And the other thing just to lift up, I mean, most people have an experience of their congregation. So they'll think their congregation is the best one in the world and they'll also think it's the worst one in the world. I, I think what I just wanted to say is we're with you. You know, we we get it. All of us together who are following Jesus in the world, we're in this together. And it's uh, it's an uncertain time to be sure, but it's also a time that uh, you, you can really say the world needs some good news. And we are here for that. Uh, that's, that's what the church is about, is bringing good news into the world. And, uh, you know, we are looking for new ways to do that and trying to be faithful. And if we can keep that our focus, we're going to come out on the other end of it somehow, whatever that looks like. And we want to let you know that we are praying for you. We might not know who you are, if you're listening to this or not, but we are praying for for you. It is a pleasure of ours to be able to, to do that and just to know that you have someone out there that is really wants you to be successful in all that you do, not only in your church life, but also in your personal life. So we have started a sermon series, and Jeff, how is it going? I'm enjoying it. I like the book of Acts, I, and, I, and part of the reason why I wanted to do Acts this summer is for exactly this conversation that you and I had today, is it, it's worth rediscovering how those first Christians responded. I mean, there's no playbook for this stuff. We've, we've inherited so much after 20 centuries that we think, okay, this is what church is. But, uh, you know, the first, the first communities of people, they had no idea what they were doing. They were just trying to be faithful and carry the message forward. And I think for me, uh, that's why Acts is such a great book is it, it kind of helps recenter us there is, okay, we can figure this out. And, um, you know, if the Spirit is blowing and calling us to, to give witness to who Jesus is in the world, we can do this work. So that's why I'm excited about it. You know, we're only a couple of weeks in, but it's it's going pretty well, at least from my end. I know we read the uh, the story of Ananias and Sapphira and them dropping dead, and my people laughed when they heard it. So that was <laughs> that was good. They were engaged. You know, I asked, I said, I, yep, I said, yep. put your hands up if you've ever heard this story before, and only a couple did. So that was kind of fun. That was new. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that was kind of fun. How about you? How's it going? I agree. I think it's going really well, and I liked what you said in your sermon that. Really, here in the 21st century, we have more in common with the first century of the church than the 20th century because of the situation that we're in right now. So I, I really like that. And and quite honest, I didn't really know this story that well. And you and I talked this week a little bit about it. I'm like, okay, this is a good story, but I don't know where to go with it. You know. So we talked about that a little bit, and, and I think I had a pretty good direction. And it talked a lot about the commitment for Ananias and how we need to be committed with our whole heart. And I've had conversations with folks 
since then about that and how they feel their commitment is going. So I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the rest of the series, and I can't wait to uh, see how my community responds to it. Yep, me too. God's word speaks, and we respond, and that's how it's supposed to work. It's, it's tough to be the church. It really is. It's a challenge. There's all kinds of personalities. Everybody's got a different agenda in some ways. I also like to start and say everybody wants what's best. You know, even the people you disagree with at some time, they've got everybody's best interest in mind at heart, and we gotta we got to always remind each other of that. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've got work to do, and uh, we can't just sit back and hope it turns around uh, or just say, you know, it's – it's going to be fine. We've, we've got to, we've got to take some risks and we've got to get ourselves out there and, uh, sitting back afraid and behind closed doors is not going to cut it. Amen to that. I, I totally agree. And, and I'm looking forward to some of the things that we're going to be talking about here on the podcast. We've had a couple of weeks here where it's Jeff and I riffing on, on some topics that we've talked about that have come up in our churches and conversations with our colleagues. So having some great interviews that that we're working on right now and that we're preparing for you. So uh, we're excited about that. We're developing a new relationship with some different organizations that we're going to be excited to tell you about that a little bit. We really want to start going in a not a totally different direction with the podcast, but kind of shifting a little bit and maybe having a little more of of a series focus on some of our podcast episodes. So maybe three or four weeks on a certain subject. So if there is something that you would like to have us explore a little bit on the podcast, please let us know. You can reach out to us on our Facebook, facebook.com backslash two bald pastors. You can leave a comment on our website, two bald pastors.com, or just reach out to Jeff or I individually in any form of social media or email. So we're excited about that as we kind of shape the direction of the podcast a little bit more, and we're reaching our 50th episode pretty soon, Jeff, and we have something we have something really special planned for that, so that is going to come up very soon as well. Pretty exciting. One other thing, I think something that always helps us out on the podcast is if you could do one of two things if you're listening to this. One is... If you could share this podcast with someone who hasn't heard it before, if you want to put it on your Facebook or if you want to send a tweet out with a link to this episode or any of our episodes, or if you just want to tell a friend that you've heard about the podcast, please do. That really helps us reach more people so we can uh, help churches become church that they are created to be. The other is if you go to our iTunes page and leave a comment or a review. If you think we're five stars, go ahead and leave that. If you think one star, then don't leave anything. No, no. <laughs> if you think we're one star, you, that's fine. But hopefully you can leave a, uh, some comments and help us out on that front as well. Once again, we are the Two Bald Pastors, helping you connect your faith with your life. I'm Joe McGarry. And I am Jeff Cinebaldo. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day. Bye now. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) Podcast done. Mic drop.
So that's all we got today, folks. Well, Joe's praying for you anyway. Just kidding. I'll pray for you, too. Jeff, Jeff doesn't like to pray. Now get out of here, people. Go spend the rest of your day outside. <laughs>